Welcome to the UW family and to the Husky Huddle Up podcast. I'm Carlos Guillen from First Year Program. And I'm Jana Marsh from Parent and Family Programs. In today's episodes, we'll be talking all about housing and food services. By the time you're listening to this podcast, you may have already learned that, that there is no housing requirement. However, the majority of our first year students do choose to live on campus. This episode is divided into two parts. The first part will be a discussion with representatives from Housing and Food Services who will talk more about the on-campus living experience and some of the ways that we support students who live in an on-campus residence hall and on-campus apartment. The second part is a delicious conversation with campus executive chef Tracy McRae. We discuss food culture on campus and in the Pacific Northwest, kitchen architecture, accommodating our students' dietary restrictions, and the army of students and staff that make up UW Dining. While the majority of first-year students live on campus with HFS, other students may choose to live close to campus within walking distance. And so this includes our students who live in fraternity and sorority houses, and also students who live in apartment complexes and houses throughout the university district neighborhood. Other students might live a bit further away and commute to campus by car or by public transportation. We also want you to know that regardless of where your student lives, there are people and places on campus available to support all students. So know that your student will be supported and will have resources in order to support their, their living experience regardless of where they are. You can access more information on our parent and family program site at uw.edu forward slash parents forward slash housing. Up next, we huddle up with Rianne and Katie to talk about dorms, or what we call at UW, residence halls and living learning communities. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Husky Huddle Up podcast. This is episode housing and food services with Rianne Ford and Katie Kelly. Welcome, you guys. Hi, everyone. My name is Rianne Ford, and I use share her pronouns, and I am from uh, Kirkland. I actually am an alumni from the UW. I graduated just a few years ago, but I'm that outreach program supervisor with Housing and Food Services. So I work in the office that does all the housing assignments and uh, room selection, billing, kind of the back-end piece to your students' on-campus living experience. Yeah, my name is Katie Kelly. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm an assistant director within our residential life team in housing and food services. Um, I work primarily with our residents who live in apartment communities, but have also worked with our residence halls as well. Um, I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, so an East Coast transplant to um, Seattle and moved here in 2015 and um, have absolutely loved it so far. So the the move for those coming across um, the country or from other, other time zones, um, you figure out ways to make it work for sure. Ooh, East Coast, West Coast. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Definitely. And we've we've worked with, with Katie and, and Rianne, we've worked with you for, for several years and yeah. talking about housing and food services and how students uh, experience on, on campus and, and applying for housing and all of that. Can you all talk a little bit about what housing and food services is? And um, and yeah, just kind of kind of what 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 is the what is 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 the mission? What is what is everything that HFS is about? Yeah, well, we are here to serve our students. Definitely, um, HFS Housing and Food Services makes up 
um, both housing and on-campus dining. And so we are a self-sustaining department, but definitely part of the university. Um, and we offer a lot of different types of housing. So we have our residence halls, apartments. Uh, we even have family housing on campus. And all of those housing types are for both undergraduate and graduate students. And then we also have over 35 different dining options that we offer to students. And even if you're not living on campus, all of our dining is open for uh, folks to partake in. So we're, yes, we are here for the campus. So in a typical year, how, what is the uh, res like housing and food services residence hall student population? And when we say typical, we obviously mean pre-COVID. <laughs> <laughs> or post-COVID. -post or post-COVID, <laughs> yeah. Year too. Let's, yeah, forward-looking, we're excited. Yeah, um, yeah we typically have, um, about 10,000 students living on campus now, um, again, for the upcoming year, between 9,000 and 10,000 students on campus. And so, um, yeah, very, we've, we have some relatively new um, style residence halls and apartment communities, and then we have some of our, um, our legacy areas as well. Um, and so a variety of different housing types, as Rianne had said, um, and yeah, excited that it is a, a robust population, um, and again, a mixed, um, mixed group between undergrads and graduate students um, and some housing types that also uh, offer through summer housing. So we have both nine-month agreements and 12-month agreements. It really is like we are our own little town. It is. It definitely is. There's a lot of really great amenities on campus that I feel like students are able to take advantage of when they live on campus. So back in the day at a different institution, I actually was a hall director. And one of the questions that I got a lot and that I'm going to ask you is what is the best building to live in? I know uh -oh. that's like a trick question. Uh oh. But I'm <laughs> sure is. a lot of our families are thinking about that. I know, and it's just like when people ask, what's the best or the easiest class to take, right? <laughs> um, it totally is a trick question. And the reason I say that is one of the things that we've tried to do at HFS is make it so that your building does not matter. It does not matter where you live. You have the same access to amenities. You have the same access to community. All of our events are open to all on-campus residents, no matter what building they're living in. And with the exception of our uh, two legacy residence halls, literally all of our buildings look exactly the same. And when I say exactly the same, I mean exactly the same. The only thing that's different is like the accent wall color, like in Maple, it's blue and in Terry, it's yellow. And so it changes a little bit. Um, but one of the things that I encourage people to think about when they're thinking about like, okay, where do I want to live or what building did I preference on my application, right, is cost first and foremost. Um, like Katie mentioned earlier, we do have a couple of residence halls that are called our legacy residence halls, and those are McMahon and Hansi, um, and they are a lower price point option. Um, I actually lived in McMahon my freshman year on campus and then lived on West Campus my sophomore and junior years. And one of the things that I really like about McMahon is it's set up on what's called the cluster system. So you have um, like four or five clusters on each floor, which is a common bathroom, living room, and balcony. And then there are four double rooms in the cluster. So you have your roommate and there's one door. And then you have your cluster mates and there's one door. And then on your floor, you have your floor mate. So it's like community within a community within a community. And I really liked that it it was like a lower stakes way to meet people. Um, I went to a really small high school. My graduating class was 52 students. Um, and so going from that to such a large 
campus. Um, I definitely felt a little bit out of my element with meeting people. So it was like little bite-sized community um, where I like got to meet my roommate and then my cluster mates and I had people to like go to dog days with and things like that. Um, so definitely thinking about price and also like what does community look like for you? What do you think, Katie? Yeah, I think um, you you were definitely right on in terms of it doesn't matter what building you live in. Um, that's really just like, I don't know, it, insignificant. And it's really what you make of that experience um, within. And so um, you can have a terrific living experience in any one of our communities, but it's also up to you. And it's up to the student to make that experience what they want it to be and to, um, you know, put themselves out there and introduce themselves to people. And um, I think, again, the different sides of campus have different feels in that, like, one is a little bit more urban with West Campus um, and the apartments and residence halls that are over there. And then the North Campus is, again, more of um, more settled within kind of near to the uh, academic buildings and um, kind of that more traditional college feel, if you will, um, less of the urban environment. And so, again, there's no right or wrong. I've worked on all three areas of campus and so um, certainly, again, have have had experiences, really positive, strong experiences in all of them, um, and know that community can be formed um, in all of them as well. So yeah, it's really what you make of it once you're there. And for our families that are like listening to this today and saying, oh, I wish I could see what the what they're talking about, um, you know, in the uh, Pleistocene era when I went to school, um, there was no such thing as being able to see these dorms. We have to physically go there. Um, uh, where can our families kind of take a look uh, and do kind of a self-guided tour or uh, is there a video to see um, what, how, what the rooms look like? There's so many resources um, <laughs> all online, yes, um, especially because of COVID. Um, but the first place that I would check out is our YouTube page. Um, we mm. have virtual tours of every single building, but we also have 360-degree tours. So you'll actually be in like the room, and you can click on the screen or like use your finger if you're using your phone, or even just like put your uh, phone up to your face and like spin around and look at the room in 360 degrees. So that's my preferred way to get a feel for what the rooms look like. I'm definitely someone who like has, I have a really hard time figuring out what everything looks like from a certain perspective. So being able to spin myself around is really nice. And then we do have, um, a, like a residence hall tour, um, like a campus tour with a, a product called Concept 3D, which you can find on the homepage to our website. So if you go to our website, everything's linked there, but there's like a thousand videos of different uh, halls and dining facilities and um, resources like that. So definitely check those out. So I know when I was when I was going to, to school, I know my parents were very concerned about the dimensions of my residence hall room mm -hmm. in God. terms of like, okay, what sort of <laughs> what are we working with? <laughs> yeah. And so are, are, are families able to find dimensions so that for those who are already like starting to think about like, uh, you know, things to purchase and all of that? 
Yeah, so we have floor plans for every single room and every single building that is on um, the student's MyHFS homepage. So parents won't be able to log into that, but your student can. Um, so it's the same place you applied for housing all the way at the bottom. There's a bunch of PDFs. We don't have specific dimensions of like the furniture and things like that. So I really recommend waiting until your student or you get to campus so that you can you know, coordinate with your roommate and figure out like what storage solutions you might want and things like that. But the other thing is that in all of our um, newer buildings, all the furniture is adjustable and movable. So you can loft your bed, unloft it, put your desk in a different place, um, really rearrange to what you'd like. Um, and we will also be sending a lot more like lists of what to bring and what not to bring in August. So I know it feels like it's forever away, but that information will be coming. That's great. And I, you said the big word that I think um, most families ask about, which is roommate housing assignments. Uh, what is this like? Is this like a match.com? What? Tell us. Tell us now. <laughs> <laughs> Which is how parents ask me questions. Oh, that's how I describe it. I describe <laughs> roommate uh, matching as match.com, but for roommates. So if they're saying that to you, there's a good chance they might have gotten it from me. Um, <laughs> but we have a roommate finder app on Zimi. So all of the admitted students should have gotten a link to that. Um, but that's where you can go and like, Say if you get up early or you get up late, you like a cold room or a warm room, you take long showers or you never shower, which is gross, so uh, you should probably shower at some point. <laughs> uh, but basically, you can match yourself with another person and then you can, you know, you would have put that on your housing application. And so um, we'll try to assign you with that person. Um, but I know Katie is much more uh, well-versed in the roommate uh, situation. So do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. I think roommates are always an interesting thing. Some people want to pick who they live with. Um, personally, going into college, I didn't. I, I didn't. I know. I knew a few people from my high school that were going to my institution, but um, was like, it's a new experience for me. Why not allow, you know, a random kind of roommate assignment? And I think, again, it it sounds a little bit cliche, but like, it's what you make of it. And so um, I think communication is probably the biggest thing um, there with roommates, whether again, it's a roommate that you've known since you were four years old, or it's a brand new to you roommate, and you've never met before. Um, and it was a random assignment. It's really important to have communication and open dialogue about, again, what you both need in your living environment in order to be successful. And so um, there's no, we always get the question of like, should I live with my best friend? Um, and honestly, I don't, I don't have advice to give in that realm. My advice would be, it doesn't matter who you live with, but the principles of living with someone else. Um, again, having lived with my partner for several years, like we still have to communicate and talk and um, again, and, and it, it doesn't matter who you live with, but it's really a matter of respecting each other and um, having that open dialogue about what you each need in your space and, and revisiting those expectations. So we do um, have roommate agreements and apartment mate agreements that we um, offer to students when they first move here. We always encourage that communication before um, they even get to campus. But um, the important thing is, again, just talking about um, 
those preferences, both lifestyle preferences and um, kind of what, what you need for your space. Um, and recognizing that a lot of it is going to be a compromise too. You're never going to get someone who's 100% the same as you are. And um, quite honestly, even if you, if you are very similar, that can also lead to challenges too. If you're both morning showerers who like an hour long shower, <laughs> um, that's going to, you know, run into some stuff. So um, yeah, it's always good to talk about it. And um, we also have resident advisors who are peers in the halls um, that can help with any of those roommate conflicts that, that inevitably come up because um, it's, it's not necessarily a matter of avoiding conflict, but really how you resolve it um, once, once you do recognize that um, there's things that need to be talked through. And I think there's definitely a common misconception that you have to find a roommate prior to like having right. applied for housing. And um, I hear that all the time is like, oh, I have to find a roommate or I'm going to have a horrible first year. I'm not going to make me friends and so on and so forth. And just like Katie went the random route, I went the random route for roommates every single year. I lived on campus for three of my four years going to the UW, um, never requested a specific roommate. And so again, it really is what you make of it, but more people will apply without requesting a roommate, then do request a roommate. So don't feel like because you, if you didn't find a roommate or you didn't want to find a roommate, that that is not the norm or weird or going to put you at a disadvantage in any way, shape or form. It really is not. So you guys talked about community and I was wondering how does that happen and how does that get built up? Sometimes, um, you know, we have first year students that are coming in. This is or might be the first time they are going to live in a space that is not their own or a, a home and their family that's not their own. It's a whole brand new uh, random <laughs> folks. And uh, I have been a very big fan of how all the how dedicated our uh, resident advisors are, our residence hall directors are in building community. But I'd love to hear from you guys. How does that happen? Um, and is it just social? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, um, Jana, one thing that you said was that, again, it's it's a, it's a new experience. It's a transition. And every transition needs support in order to aid it in, in success. And I think that is what um, the primary focus of our resident advisors is, is to be a support system, um, both in, in transition um, for, you know, first-year students coming, being away from home or potentially living independently for the first time, um, but also for continuing students, returning residents who, um, again, maybe still haven't found that, that thing for themselves. You know, they haven't found a club or organization or, um, you know, a research opportunity or they, they don't necessarily know how to access academic support services and things like that. And so our resident advisors are, like I said, peers. They're um, undergraduate and graduate students who, um, who are knowledgeable. We train them very well, um, and they go through a rigorous selection program um, process as well. And we ensure that they do, they are very knowledgeable about the institution, that they know what resources are available and, and might be beneficial to students experiencing different things, whether that's, again, academic challenges, personal challenges, challenges finding community. And, and then they also facilitate that community. So through individual interactions with residents throughout um, each quarter, they learn about their residents and then 
work to connect them to other residents. And so that might be through big programs and events. Um, obviously with COVID this year, we weren't allowed to put those on, but our resident advisors still had a really important role to play in helping students to find community. And, and that community, again, can mean a variety of different things um, for folks. And so again, that could be through connecting them to organizations um, and, and clubs and opportunities and leadership um, groups. Or it could mean just finding someone down the hall that maybe they wouldn't have like ventured and, um, you know, met on their own, but finding that other person that has, you know, a shared interest in, um, you know, a sporting event or um, a certain game that they like to play and things like that, too. And so um, the resident advisors are so, so critical in, in doing that. And then the resident directors, as you had mentioned, those are our full-time staff members um, who not only lead the efforts and supervise the resident advisors, but also um, kind of look more at the community holistically and what is the community needing, what trends are they seeing, um, and support the resident advisors in, again, building that community. Um, and then also, obviously, um, providing safety measures as well of um, incident response, emergency assistance um, in the evenings. Because we do, we know that students are living with us outside of the business day. And so um, we need to have on-call responders um, who are equipped to be able to, to support in those after-hours um, incidents and weekend incidents as well. Some of the things, think sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that I think one of the biggest the biggest benefits of living on campus, aside from the proximity and all of that, is really that students get an entire team of support, right? Yeah. From yeah. the resident assistants to the 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 hall directors to to everyone who is really just there to to really make sure that students are connected and 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 really supported as well. Definitely, some of the things that I see all the times in the halls that I think are really awesome especially for that like connection piece is all the times when i'm walking through i'll see um ra's have put up uh big bulletin boards that have like uh, study buddy finders so you can like write your name and what classes you're looking for a study buddy and it's a great way for people to like connect with each other for that but also like all the events have some food component to them because there's no better way to a college student's heart than through their stomach um, so not only are you like building community, but you're also getting like a yummy snack or maybe some hot tea or hot chocolate, um, especially on, you know, some of those maybe grayer days in Seattle, because it really doesn't rain here as much as people say it does, but, um, it is gray a lot of the year. So, uh, a nice, make a friend, but also a nice snack. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I think those events, um, they range from like social events to educational events um, to just, again, like, let, let's chat about what's not going well and like be, being authentic and, and being able to bring, bring your whole self. Um, I think one of the things that I love so much about working in, um, in residence halls and in apartment communities is that um, I think you don't just see the 8 to 5, like the 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. student. You see them when they're, you know, going through tough stuff. And um, you see them kind of, again, in those, you know, late night moments where they're cramming for a final and, um, you know, bonding with a peer over that. And um, I think that's one of the things that, again, we offer is um, kind of that that real life piece um, in the evenings and in those downtimes and, 
it's not always, again, community isn't always formed at a specific event. Um, but again, it's, it's finding those people that you connect with and you, um, that make it feel like you belong and you've, you've found a home and, um, and the comfort that comes with that too. I know that with the um, I know that with the fall quarter coming up, a lot of things are still uncertain. However, you know the university will be requiring the vaccine, and there will be. However, there still will be some sort of restrictions that will um, will need to be put in place. Can you give us maybe an idea of what that um, of of what some of those things might be, maybe based on your experience from last year, because um, I know you all have already done this for you know for for several quarters. So I'm sure running running a residence hall during COVID is not something new um, for either of you. Yeah, and and some of it, I think, Carlos, um, you you bring up a good point. Is that again, we have housed folks throughout the pandemic, right? From the, those initial days where we got the announcement that things were going remote and people were going to be learning from their rooms and their apartments. Um, th like straight through, obviously, all of um, the past academic year and, um, again, recognizing that things also might be changing moving forward as, you know, phase progression happens and things like that um, in our area. So some of it is, again, certainly going to be dependent on on where things are at come August and September as we do prepare um, for the upcoming year. Things that we implemented last year were around, um, you know, preventing non-essential guests from entering the halls, making sure folks were wearing face coverings, um, you know, limiting group sizes and how many um, folks you could have in, in your room, your immediate room um, on campus. And again, enhanced cleaning procedures, things like that. And so um, with the, the vaccination requirement for students for the upcoming year, some of that also might change, um, recognizing that again, um, not only where are the metrics for our area, but also what are the recommendations of, um, of the CDC and, and other public health officials as it relates to individuals who are vaccinated um, and, and what changes again can be made with that. So um, we don't have a ton of specifics to share right now and certainly will be updating um, like what folks can expect um, both on our website and um, throughout the summer with, you know, A&O sessions and, and Q&As and our Housing 101 as well. Um, would love to be able to share more of that with with folks as it comes out. But um, again, just being very responsive and making sure that we are allowing for people to be safe in their homes um, and still do the things that make it a home, um, you know, socializing and um, being able to be comfortable and, and know you have safety in your in your space, in your immediate home. Well, I'm ready to move in, but I think I may have aged out already. So um, I would love to hear uh, one of the most fun uh, days and weekends of the year is move-in weekend. And um, even last year, it was still pretty much a, a very exciting <laughs> move-in weekend. So for, much fun. Uh, so much fun. So I'd love to just hear, like, how many move-in weekends have you been through? And, like, what is it like here at the UW when it's move-in weekend? Oh, how many move-in weekends have I been through at this point? Um, I moved, my Including first move-in. I was gonna say my first move-in weekend was autumn quarter of 2013, and my parents drove me to the E1 parking lot with. I just had one little car full of stuff, and um, during move-in, you like queue and a lot basically, and then you'll get to go. And we have these big 
uh, rolly bins that you can load all of your stuff in. And we have lots of volunteers and things like that. But I was convinced I was going to do it all by myself because I'm a freshman in college now. I don't need help from anyone. And so, um, thank goodness my dad didn't listen to me and he helped me carry stuff up the stairs to my room on the, uh, ninth floor of McMahon. We did the stairs the whole way up and down. We didn't use the bins once cause we didn't want to wait for them. And then, uh, my parents dropped me off in my room. Uh, and then they said, we love you. And they left and they just left me. And it was wonderful because that's what I wanted. I wanted to like make my space my own by myself and everything like that. Uh, but moving day, I don't know about you, Katie, but it is my favorite day of the entire year. Um, I guess there's multiple, there's three move-in days, but the move-in period is my favorite time of the year because everyone's so excited, both students and their supporters alike. We're so excited because we've missed you for the entire summer, especially this year. We're so excited because we've missed everybody for a year plus now. <laughs> um, so I, it's always just uh, the Utah president is usually walking around chatting with people and there's a bunch of commotion, but it's really good commotion. People are taking selfies and, uh, families making their students stand in front of their hall for like a first day of school picture basically. And so you got lots of eye rolls from people. It's, it's really, really, really fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to be doing, this will be my seventh UW move-in um, this upcoming year, and um, I swear everyone gets, like, better than the last. We, we, we have a very well-oiled machine with move-in. Um, we, get, we get people in, and it's, it's very efficient, and we constantly hear from people of, like, oh, yeah, I had, a, I had a student that, you know, one of my other children went to another institution, and man, this is way better than that one was. And we love to certainly hear those compliments. But um, really, like those moments that hit me is when, again, you have, you know, these parents that like, sometimes they sneak up to us on the side, and they're like, you know, I just, I'm, I'm really nervous, and I don't want to embarrass them. And I'm like, take the picture, like, go take a picture with, <laughs> with your, with your student. And, um, you know, making, making that too, because I, I do, I remember my move in day. And although my mom, like, forced me into taking that picture with my roommate, we didn't know each other, obviously, we we're random assigned and um, taking our picture, you know, in front of our lofted beds in our, in our room is like, having that photo now, like means so much to me and being able to, again, have shared that moment um, with my mom at move in and things like that, too, is just awesome. And um, love hearing, you know, where folks are coming from. Some people make a, a family road trip out of it from across the country, or, um, you know, they're with their 17 luggages and <laughs> all of that moving in and um it is it's just it's so exciting and that energy like coming back for autumn quarter is just um there there is like in my mind no better place than a college campus at the start of the school year um Agreed. it really is just yeah such such great energy and that buzz and um and then of course you know with dog days and all of the excitement around that continues it's not just i mean Yes, our move-in days kind of kick it off, if you will, um, or, you know, get, have like a, a big gusto associated with them, but it continues and people are exciting and it's that like refreshing new, um, new sense. And it was that way even this year. And we had a really wet, 
rainy. We had a couple really tough weather days this year. Um, but rain or shine, we're out there and we're we're so excited to welcome people um, and and move them in and and get get that vibe back um, in our communities as well because that's that is really what makes campus feel so great. Um, and again, kind of keep, keeps me in the housing industry, certainly, um, is again, that feeling of, of filling up our, our communities again. So very, very much looking forward to that this autumn, for sure. Yeah. And logistically, there's definitely still stuff that we have to figure out to see how, unfortunately, COVID will impact the move-in process. So again, we're looking at uh, having more details available in August around the same time as the list of what not to bring and what to bring is available. So students will get emailed specific uh, move-in instructions, appointment times. Like Katie said, the process, we are very streamlined. Um, but the reason it's so structured is because we are moving 10,000 people into our buildings in two and a half days. And so there has to be order in order for there not to be just complete chaos and for the entire city to shut down, basically. Um, so more info to come, but so much to look forward to. It really is. Well, this was great. I mean, I, I, I know that I even learned a lot about just the process. Um, but thank you both so much for joining us. And um, any last words or any other other things that you would like uh, for families to know about housing and food services? on-campus living experience. I think my only last plug is really to check out all of our other um, channels that we have going. Um, our social media, especially our Instagram, is really active. And we have lots of question and answers that happen throughout the um, year. So definitely go like and follow us on our Instagram page. Um, but also check out our YouTube page for all of those video resources. If you're more of a visual learner, I want to get an idea of what every, everything looks like. Yeah, I think we talked a lot about um, residence halls and, and living, um, but that dining piece is such a huge part of what we do um, as well. And so, um, well, yes, I think exploring all of the housing and the, the residence life um, is important. Um, also, I know, obviously, um, upcoming, we have another another podcast with our campus executive chef, Chef Tracy, um, who's wonderful. And, and then, again, of course, um, all of our all of our channels um, that Rianne mentioned as well, just to get a more holistic picture of housing and food services. Thanks, everyone, and and for families, we'll make sure that we have all of these links um, with this episode, and so that you can huddle up with your husky. This is what I heard. It sounds like communication plans are very very important, not just for the family, but for your future roommates. And also, you know, this is the first time they're moving into their space. That also might mean this is the first time they'll see this thing called lease or rental agreements, and it's a good time. It's not a lot of fun. I know that's very vegetable-y talk, but it is a really great learning opportunity for our young adults to start taking a little bit of agency in their space um, and also reminding them that uh, there's things like uh, billing and rent and due, due dates, and those are things that are great to huddle up with your husky. But it's so much more fun to hear from Katie and Rianne about what it's like when we welcome your husky into our residence halls. Thanks, you guys. Can't yeah. wait for autumn. And go dogs. Go dogs. The 
Husky Huddle Up series is a collaboration between the University of Washington first year programs and parent and family programs to provide parents and families equitable access to information in support of their student success. The Husky Huddle Up is produced by John In, a senior in the UW Foster School of Business.